I think that life is the ultimate classroom. And every day we wake up and we go out into the world, we are learning something. If we think of life, okay, today is a classroom. What am I going to learn today? And what am I going to gain from learning this lesson? And just know that no one is perfect and we're all going to make mistakes. And if we make mistakes, well, we have tomorrow to try again. But in the meantime, if we have an opportunity to make somebody's day and make somebody happy, as simple as going through the line and the the checkout line at the grocery store and speaking to the cashier, that person might not have had a kind word all day, or maybe that person is battling something that we don't know where they're, that they're battling. And just a kind word or compliment can make all the difference in the world. And we get so focused on who we are and what we have to do and where we're going that we forget that we have an opportunity every single day to make an impact on everyone that we encounter. And if it can just be that one person, one person, (laughs) then why not? It's free. It costs absolutely nothing, but it could bring in big dividends in terms of how you feel about yourself and how you make the other person feel. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle, and welcome back to the show. Joining us today is Jacqueline Whitmore, who is an international etiquette expert, and I'm so thrilled to have her expertise on the show. In addition, she's a certified speaking professional and the founder of the Protocol School of Palm Beach, and is also the author of Business Class, Etiquette Essentials for Success at Work, and Poised for Success, Mastering the Four Qualities that Distinguish Outstanding Professionals also a contributing editor, a writer to entrepreneur.com, huffingpost.com. Um, and you are ranked as one of the most widely quoted etiquette experts in the world. I am thrilled to have you on. I think etiquette is so important and something we don't think about or discuss enough. So welcome, Jacqueline. My pleasure, Michelle. Thank you so much. Yes, I've been in business a long, long time. <laughs> well, actually, I wanted to ask you, how did you become an etiquette expert? It's such a very unique position to have and not one that I've never met somebody who does what you do. Well, you would think there that there aren't a lot of etiquette consultants out there, but actually when I started 23 years ago, there were just a handful of us and I never set out to become an etiquette expert. In fact, I went to school to become a journalist. I graduated from the University of Florida with a broadcasting degree, and I had all in, all um, ambitions to be a reporter, anchor woman. And then I had an internship at CNN in Washington, D.C. in college. And I realized that that just wasn't my career. I was a small town girl and uh, the entire broadcasting industry intimidated me. Mm. And so I said to myself, I'll just get my degree and I'll figure it out later. So 
Uh, long story short, I ended up going into the hospitality industry and working for hotels for many, many years before I became an etiquette expert. And um, I was working at the Breakers Hotel at the time in Palm Beach as their assistant director of PR. And I was responsible for promoting the all our summer camps. And one of our summer camps was an etiquette camp for kids. Mm. And it was a wildly popular camp. And I was assigned the task to find an instructor uh, the year that I came on board as the assistant director of PR. I said, how in the world am I going to find an etiquette instructor? I don't even know where to start. This is way before the days of the internet. So I just started calling around and utilizing my resources. And I found someone in Washington, D.C., who happened to be one of the premier etiquette consultants at the time. She was the grand dame of etiquette. And I hired her to come to the breakers and teach our etiquette camps for kids. And we expanded the camps a year later, and we opened them up to adults and teenagers. And being the curious person that I am, I asked her if she wouldn't mind if I attended the course. Mm -hmm. And she said, sure. So I ended up um, in 1994, I believe, taking her course at the Breakers. Because she told me, she pulled me aside and she said, you know, you can make a little extra money on the side doing this and you might want to start teaching the employees at the breakers some etiquette skills because we were working with very high-end clientele. So she planted that little seed in my head and I took her week-long course and then I went on to take her... um, more advanced course in Washington, D.C., and I loved it. I It was like a duck taking to water, and um, as fate would have it, my position was eliminated in 1998, and you know the old saying, when one door closes, a window opens, mm-hmm. and I took that opportunity to launch my business. And I had just gotten married and I had loads of wedding bills. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay my mortgage? But um, I figured it out. I mean, it it took me a long time to get my mojo going. I mean, being an entrepreneur doesn't happen overnight, as you know. Yes. It took me about five years before I saw a profit. But The Protocol School of Palm Beach was literally born in my attic. Uh, My my husband, my then husband and I, uh, we converted our little tiny attic into an office. I bought a fax machine, a computer, and a printer, and that's all I had. No business plan, no marketing plan, no clue. Oh my goodness. And also there was no, like you said, you couldn't just do Google searches about, you know, anything you couldn't, you didn't have the same resources. You talked about buying a fax machine. I mean, now everyone does everything on their phones, right? I mean, exactly, exactly. But I want to say that that woman who I hired to teach at the breakers, she ended up becoming my mentor and she mentored me for years after I started my business And that, 
I have to say that gave me that boost that I needed in order to figure out some of the problems that entrepreneurs face. I could just call her up on the phone and she would talk me through it. And that's why I think coaches and mentors are so important. I so agree with you. I so, We talk a lot about that actually on the show because women need support. And oftentimes, even when you know the direction you want to go, you need somebody to help guide you or talk through some of the challenges that are inevitably going to arise. Absolutely. And I didn't come from a privileged background. And that's the other thing. People just assume if you teach etiquette that you grew up um, in a, a wealthy uh, family. And I never attended private school. I never attended cotillions or tea parties. I don't even think I had afternoon tea until I was in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I did have was a real interest in bettering myself and polishing myself. And it, it, etiquette was just something that interested me. I didn't, we didn't even have Emily Post books around the house when I was growing up. I had Nancy Drew, but not Emily Post. <laughs> and so this world was so foreign to me. But Yet it wasn't. It was, you know, my mother is or was, she passed away about 10 years ago, but she was a hairdresser. And every afternoon after school, I would go to her beauty salon, Lucille's House of Beauty, and she would put a broom in my hand and she would say, Jackie, go sweep the hair. And while you're doing that, talk to Mrs. So-and-so and take the curlers out of Mrs. So-and-so's hair. And what she was teaching me at a very young age were those essential people skills. Mm-hmm. And my mother was a real stickler on manners. She mm-hmm. always wanted me to do the right thing because she didn't have those opportunities. And she knew that I had what it takes to do all the things that she couldn't do. And so I believe that because of her inspiration, I just fell into this career naturally. Yeah, this is such a good story. Um, It's really interesting because growing up, um, I would say with both my parents, but particularly with my mom, etiquette is very important. And she's always taught us that from the time my brothers and I, from the time we were little, And in my elementary school, once uh, a month, they would call in a student to get a recognition. And one of them was for manners. And I would be in there every month. It would be me and my brothers because we were in different classes um, for holding the doors for the teacher and for saying please and thank you. And for the little things that I was taught to do from the time that I was little. But I think etiquette's really interesting now because I feel like Maybe even in certain cultures, etiquette is really a part of the norm. But in the United States, it's not, I would say it's not necessarily. It's more maybe how a parent uh, considers what's important to teach their child. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that. I do see manners uh, more in the South than I do. I, I have lived in Boston as well. Uh, but I have to say, when I lived in Boston, I was a flight attendant and I was walking up and down those subway stairs with big, heavy bags and people wouldn't hesitate to help me out. And and um, people were kind there too. I think it's, you get 
you reap what you sow. Yes. So if you are kind to others, people will be kind to you. It's Mm. that karma effect. Yeah. And that's what I think people don't really understand. And when people think of etiquette, they usually think of tea parties and dining etiquette, silverware, but it's so much more than that. My definition of etiquette is it's the art of knowing how to treat other people. Mm. But more importantly, it's being mindful of how your behavior affects other people. Yes. So we are walking around with our cell phones in our hands at all times, and we're concentrating on what's in our hand and not what's around us. And it's just practicing being more mindful of the people around us, our, our, our environment and, and what we're saying and what we're doing and how we're coming across. I'm not perfect. I'm, I can tell you that I'm not perfect. And I'm probably in the perfect profession because I practice what I preach. (laughs) I have made a lot of mistakes, but I use my mistakes and my stories in my seminars to inspire others. Because if you think about it, who wants to take an etiquette class from somebody who's quote unquote perfect? I don't think so. I think, I think that the reason why so many of my clients and um, my, I guess you'd call them clients or customers relate to me is that I grew up the same way they did. And I struggled just like they do. And so I try to be authentic and I try to embrace my imperfections, but also I'm, I'm constantly working on myself too. And I think that's what we all have to do. I think that's right. And it's funny because I was wondering if people were more aware of their behavior or even your behavior when they're around you, when they hear what you do. They're totally aware of their behavior. I've had reporters call me for stories and they would always say, oh, am I addressing you correctly? I don't know if I should ask you this question. And I'm just, uh, you know, I don't know what to say. I say, I'm just like everybody else. I enjoy life and I have fun and I'm I'm human. (laughs) And you're kind and you're kind. And I can see that in some of the interviews I watched on your website as well. And you're just, you know, I think, you know, maybe people think they're going to get a grade or something (laughs) if they they do something wrong, like, oh, you're going to be judging them and thinking, oh, Michelle, um, I don't know, played with her hair too much during the interview. I don't know, or something like that as I'm (laughs) playing with my hair right now unconsciously. Um, So it's just funny. I was just curious about that. Etiquette, the rules, like how do you even stay on top of it? Because you just mentioned cell phones in everyone's hands. This, you know, I have a 13 year old and um, she's not on her phone all the time yet. Um, but I know I've looked at a group, groups of teen girls hanging out together and none of them are conversing. They're just on their phones. So you have to keep up to date with all the things that are happening. We've had COVID, which created another layer. How do you stay up to date on? what the right etiquette is and then how do, how do, how does a mom or other people also learn like how to manage that uh well as an etiquette quote unquote expert i have to stay up to date on everything and so from the time i started my business i started collecting 
all kinds of etiquette books. And I love historic etiquette books, books that were written in the early 1900s and even earlier than that. And it's interesting how etiquette has changed. And I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of interviewing. I do a lot of polls on social media Mm -hmm. because if I don't know exactly how to handle the situation, I'll ask my audience Mm -hmm. and don't think they won't tell me. They will. They'll let me know what their opinion is. And so oftentimes I learn by asking other people what they would do because etiquette is situational. That's the one thing I want to get across. It is situational. So protocol is different. Protocol um, is where to place a flag if you're having a, um, a state dinner or when to toast someone at a very important dinner. That's protocol. That's right or wrong. Etiquette, on the other hand, is situational. Mm. And so what might work for you might not work for me because it's all based on who you're with, your relationship with that person, timing is everything. And so I just got a question the other day from a journalist who asked me about quitting. We saw in um the Olympics, the famous gymnast who decided to pull out of the gymnastics because of she didn't feel um, mentally ready or, uh, you know, that I'm not saying this um, correctly. But anyway, it was, was it okay for that person to quit? And does that have anything to do with etiquette? Well, it, it depends. It's all situational. Yes. So um, what do you teach a 13-year-old? Well, the, the best thing you can teach that person is just to be kind and to be considerate of other people's feelings and always be aware of her surroundings. And what's very important, I think, for young people to know is that anything they post on social media can come back to haunt them. And I work with a lot of universities and employers, and they're all looking at social media pages. They're Googling uh, everybody they interview, these sororities and fraternities and universities before they accept a student. They will Mm -hmm. look them up. So we're living in a interesting time where people are trying to get a lot of likes. They're trying to have a bigger presence and more followers, but yet that comes with the costs yes. too. And you have to decide how much is too much to share. And that's, that's tricky. Yeah. L- let me ask you a question in terms of situational, you talked about etiquette being a situational um, scenario. So what if you realize your mistake after the fact, let's say, for example, you're talking to, so, uh, another parent, um, and you realize, oh gosh, I could have been much more gracious about saying no to this event or whatever, but I had these other 10 things in my head and I'm watching the sports game and, you know, I'm not fully present. And then you walk away and you're in a quiet moment and you think, oh gosh, I didn't handle that as well as I could have. Do you go back to the person later and say, especially if it's somebody you don't see that often, I mean, do you miss the moment or do you still try to correct for that moment? Well, 
I'll give you a real life example. I was speaking to someone yesterday. It was actually a journalist who told me she was interviewing me on um, thank you notes uh, a while back. And then yesterday she interviewed me on holiday card etiquette. And so she said, you know, I have to share a story with you about your tips on thank you notes. She said the other day, she lives in New York City, by the way. She said the other day I was walking out of my apartment and my neighbor, who is an acquaintance, um, just brushed up against my shoulder and it was kind of brisk, but it it was still a little bit rude. And, um, but I didn't say anything. And she said the next day, that same neighbor put a thank you note on my door or not a thank you note, but an apology Uh. note on my door. And, um, she said, I really thought about you because we were talking about thank- acknowledging people and saying thank you. But this person acknowledged me by saying, I'm sorry, I was in a rush and I didn't mean to brush up against you. And so I guess the answer to your question is, if you have an opportunity to just say something brief and polite, then it's not going to make you look bad. And in fact, it's going to make you look more favorable in that other person's eyes. You can never be wrong being kind, yeah. but you can be dead wrong if you're rude. Yeah. If anything, it will make you feel better. <laughs> Completely. I think that's so true. Are there any common etiquette faux pas that you see? And I know that's so general, So, but you could even narrow it, um, maybe even during this time of COVID. What are we seeing in terms of etiquette faux pas that you think, oh gosh, people need to know this, but they don't. And you'd like them to be aware. Oh, it's, it's right now. What I'm facing is I'm, I'm seeing so many people wanting to go back to what we once did in business. And that was shaking hands. And some people are still a little bit cautious about that yeah. for whatever reason yeah where course. other people are more um free about it and they want to shake hands and that puts people in an awkward position and and for example um i am still erring on a cautious side right now because that's my choice but if someone extends their hand to me I'll shake their hand just to be polite. And I wish in a way that um, that person would ask first, but I'm in an awkward position. Maybe they would feel awkward if I put my hand down or I didn't shake their hand, or I guess I could just give them the old fist fist bump. bump, And I've done that before. So these are all challenges that I never had to face pre-COVID. I was never asked about Zoom etiquette or uh, Zoom funerals. These are all things that I've had to, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, make up. (laughs) Like you said, where do you get your information? Yeah. You can't go back to a historic etiquette book and look up Zoom etiquette. It's just not there. Right. Especially during a pandemic, you're not going to find the information that you need. It's interesting because it's also, do you, so you talked about a professional setting or maybe whatever, a casual setting where you're seeing somebody and you would shake their hand with um, friends you haven't seen or moms, you know, getting together. 
yeah, do you hug? Do you not hug? Some people are like, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I can hug, but some people still don't want to hug and, you know, cause it can still transmit. So, um, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky uh, situation. It is. And, and just last week I was at my hairdressers and she said, oh, we're going to be, um, in this room today. And it was a private room. She said, and she called it the VIP room. And I said, oh, well, why are we in the VIP room? She said, well, because I've been coughing and I've been tested for COVID and I don't have COVID. I've been tested three times, but my coworker is going on an international trip in a couple mm. of weeks and she doesn't feel, um, I don't comfortable. comfortable. Yeah with me in the same room. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. How do you what kind of etiquette do you do you use when you say to a coworker, can you can you leave? <laughs> right. You I don't want you coughing in the same space that I breathe. I know, it's really hard times. I I think, you know, that's hopefully this too shall pass and hopefully sooner than later, but we're still we're still in it. Um Let's switch to maybe something fun. We are heading into the holidays. We'll stay one piece on travel and COVID. Etiquette tips for traveling. Mm -hmm. I just got back from um, uh, North Michigan and I had to get on a plane for the first time in a very, very long time. And I was surprised the plane was absolutely packed like a sardine and, and for the most part, I think everyone's trying to be respectful. And I would just say when you pack for a trip, pack your patience too, mm. because the lines are much longer now. Yeah. People are more stressed out than ever, and they don't have enough help at the airports, and the air- airlines are um, stressed to the max. So that's that would be my number one tip is just be patient and go with the flow and just roll with the punches. I mean, these are all just um, uh, things that we should always keep in mind. Yeah. But if, if you just follow the rules, if you just follow the rules and do what you're supposed to do, everybody will be okay. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> I I don't like to be the etiquette police and when I'm off duty I'm off duty. Yeah. And so I think we have to keep that in mind that even if you're not an etiquette consultant you can't police the entire world. You just have to worry about your family and yourself and doing the right thing. And that would be the best advice that I can give is just um, be patient and be kind and you'll get there. You'll get to your destination. Yeah. I, did you read in the beginning of the year, the first quarter of the year, apparently fights on airplanes had increased by 40% in just the first quarter of this year. So people should take that advice, pack their patience and just relax, everyone. We're all trying to get relax. I know. The holiday ratches up people's stress levels anyway. So I'm yeah, it might be um people really need to take that into into heart to to heart. Um holiday etiquette tips that you can share because I know you love the holidays and talking about how to bring our best selves. 
Uh, we're living in a very polarized time as well in terms of dinner conversation, you know, differing views. I, honestly, it breaks my heart a bit because I, you can see the division. I've talked to friends who are not talking to a parent or a sibling over differing opinions. And uh, it's really tearing people apart in the United States. I don't know what, what's going on outside of the U.S. Um, how do we stay in harmony and really just bring our best loving selves to the table when we're, when we're approaching, whether it's Thanksgiving or, or Christmas or what, whatever tradition well, people celebrate? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was just at a dinner party recently. It was a group of women. Um, there were only five of us. So it was a very small group. And one of the women um, in the group whom I didn't know, she started talking about a topic that was extremely political and judgmental. And Mm -hmm. I just sat there and I listened. And if she had asked my opinion, I would have said, well, we obviously have different opinions and I agree to disagree. And I could have just said that. But what was so great in that situation is the host who invited us all. She quickly changed the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that is something I so appreciate is that person saw that where the conversation was going, it was becoming more escalated. She felt that people in the group were getting uncomfortable and she immediately changed the subject so that we could all focus on something more positive. And as a host or hostess, I think it's really important, especially during the holidays, for you to be aware of how your guests feel. Remember, etiquette is all about how you make other people feel. And know that this might happen. Just if if you go into the holidays knowing this could happen, then you can find ways to change the subject or sit next to someone you do agree with. Now, there's nothing wrong with a a healthy discussion. I mean, I think that we can learn from other people as long as it's done in a civil, intelligent, diplomatic way. That's different. But when you have someone who is you know, is so polar opposite and trying to create chaos. That's completely different. So I would say in any situation where you have someone like that, you either have to change the subject or sit next to someone else or remove yourself from the situation and go to another room or um, you just agree to disagree. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, and I guess we do, we have a sense, we all have a sense of the reasons. Um, the temperature in a room right now can go hotter than it ever has. I think, you know, this, the disconnect and the camps and the sides and all of it is just, it, the polarization is so palpable. Um, maybe is there, a suggestion on the topic or I don't know, something that we can think about like, oh yeah, Jacqueline said, try this. I know you talked about sitting next to somebody or whatever, but um, a phrase, a a suggestion of maybe what to turn the conversation to, a way to lighten the mood. 
Well, you can always make um, light. You could say, um, that's a really interesting observation. How about those Atlanta Braves? <laughs> right. I was going to say Patriots or yeah, yeah. Or, yes, yeah. yes. Yes. Right. And, and you can, you can add levity that way. I mean, humor goes a long way as yes. long as it's a, appropriate humor. And I would say that if it gets uncomfortable for you, if you can possibly change the subject or instead of letting that person get too deep into what he or she's trying to say, say, I'm really uncomfortable with that. Do you mind if we change the subject? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Because then it's just asking somebody to honor your comfort level. And if they can't, then I guess then, then you do just go sit somewhere, somewhere else. Any um, holiday uh, faux pas we should avoid? Oh my goodness! Uh, holiday faux pas. This is this is kind of a broad question. Yes, <laughs> because hol- when I think of holidays, I think of gift giving. I think of uh, I think of holiday party etiquette, and I think more and more of us will be attending these holiday parties. And yes. we've already touched upon what not to do and not get into heated discussions at parties. Yes. And I think of holiday tipping. I think of um, regifting. <laughs> I think of thank you notes and holiday cards. So it's, it's a really interesting time of year. And I, I was just telling someone yesterday that last year seemed like such a blur. Yes. It just seemed like a blur. Yes. (laughs) And now we feel like we're finally starting to live again. And the holidays I think are, I hope going to be more joyous than ever because we'll see people that we couldn't see last year or we'll we'll um, really appreciate the people that we're with this year and so i would just say um gratitude is is so important so so important and we can get so caught up in the minutiae of everything else. But if we just try to keep it simple, and I know that's hard for a lot of people, especially when they have extended family and kids and obligations, but don't be afraid to say no either. Because I know as women, we want to try to do everything. And when people ask us, will you do this? And we think we're being impolite if we say no, but quite the contrary. If you say no, you can still say no. I don't have the bandwidth to take that, take on that responsibility this year. And please consider me for next year. That's a polite way of saying no. And I think that's really important during the holidays is to protect ourselves so that we can um have the energy to enjoy the people that we do choose to be around and the activities that we choose to engage in. Hmm. That's beautiful. I think you're so right. Gratitude is the right attitude. How do we raise our children 
to think of others. I know that's a little bit broad as well, but you talked about your mom and what she taught you and it impacted the way you showed up in the world and the way my mom raised me and my brothers impacted the way that we show up. And you talked about etiquette being about how you make others feel. Um, It's just like we talked about before, the kids are buried in their phones. How do we, do we, what's, what's the way forward? Do we do it by example? What have, what have you found? Well, I think it's important to be the example, but also I think that it's important to show your child and another side of the world, because we want to protect our children. I understand that. And that sometimes can become a problem. You can become overprotective and then your children get out in the world and they have no tools to maneuver through life. And then they're calling you for every single thing when they're at college and they have a problem and they don't know how to solve their own problems. So I think it's important early on to teach your children how to solve problems and to expose them to people who are not like them. Mm. Uh, I love to, um, I, I love to, intro- well, I don't have children, but I have nieces and nephews that I helped raise. And mm. I, I remember during the holidays, I took my two nieces to a soup kitchen and, and we all worked together in helping people who were needy. And I took my nephew on trips with me so that he could be exposed to a diverse group of people in diverse places. And we could figure out how to map our way from this location to this location. So it's really important, I think, to teach children how to think for themselves Mm. and to be empathetic to other people. And to realize that their their way of doing things isn't the only way, that other people do things other ways. And if you can afford to take your child to another country so he or she can experience the culture and different foods and travel is the greatest education for adults and children. Agreed. But, But if you don't have those resources, will you start in your own backyard? Because now we're living in a multicultural nation. So I would just suggest exposing the child to different things so that he or she is not so sheltered. Yeah. It's funny because we just got a puppy and apparently socialization is huge and their brains, by the time they're four months, you have to expose them to a bunch of different scenarios or they could be fearful or aggressive or it's sort of, I'm just seeing a little bit of a parallel for what we're being Top, but with our own children, we need to expose them more to different situations. I, I well, love that. It's so true. Much. I mean, you take your puppy to meet other dogs <laughs> and to meet other people and yes. to socialize. You take your your puppy sometimes to festivals and restaurants. And I mean, I know I I did before COVID. And that's the same with children. We have to get them socialized. And of course, we we were always taught not to speak to strangers. Well. That's true, but the strangers that are okay, you can say, I'd like you to speak to Mrs. So-and-so like my mother did when I was at the beauty salon as a child. And she gave you responsibility, which is builds confidence. Yes, yes. And giving them tasks and duties and responsibilities and chores. And I mean, the list goes on and on, but Mm -hmm. I think that a 
the proudest parent is one who feels like he or she has raised a kind, caring child. And we all want our children to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy, but is that child making other people happy? Yeah. Just by existing and being in their presence. Yeah. I feel like I've learned so much from you today, Jacqueline, and and just even having the definition of etiquette, being conscious of how you're making others feel with that mindset while you're out in the world and interacting with others, uh, I think would create a more beautiful world. So (laughs) I'm wondering before we wrap up today, is there anything you want to leave the women listening with today? Oh my goodness. Um, I think that life is the ultimate classroom and every day we wake up and we go out into the world, we are learning something. If we think of life, okay, today is a classroom. What am I going to learn today? What am I going to gain from learning this lesson? And just know that no one is perfect and we're all going to make mistakes. And if we make mistakes, well, we have tomorrow to try again. But in the meantime, if we have an opportunity to make somebody's day and make somebody happy, um, as simple as going through the line and the, the checkout line at the grocery store and speaking to the cashier, that person might not have had a kind word all day, or maybe that person is battling something that we don't know where they're, that they're battling. And just a kind word or compliment can make all the difference in the world. And we get so focused on who we are and what we have to do and where we're going that we forget that we have an opportunity every single day to make an impact on everyone that we encounter. And if it can just be that one person, one person, (laughs) then why not? It's free. It costs absolutely nothing, but it could bring in big dividends in terms of how you feel about yourself and how you make the other person feel. Absolutely. That's a beautiful way to end and a a nice vibe for people to take forward with them into their days and to be thinking of this conversation. Jacqueline, where do I direct people to learn more about you and uh, to find your books and the work that you do? Well, my website is etiquetteexpert.com. And if um, the listeners want to go to my website, I'm giving away a, a free ebook called Master Your Mingle Ability. And it's all about how to build relationships and connect with others online and in person. So that's my free gift to your listeners. Thank you. That's so generous. And honestly, because of the work that you do, we could have taken this into so many different uh, places. But honestly, I loved... Um, what you shared today, because again, I think having the foundation of even just the knowledge of what etiquette truly means, it's not about is your fork and knife in the the right place and are you, you know, your napkin folded properly or whatever. It's so much more. Um, It's how we're showing up in the world as our best selves, our most loving selves to make someone else feel a part of the world that that we're, we're cohabitating. Right. And at the end of the day, I mean, no one's going to fault you for using the wrong fork. I hope not anyway. (laughs) But there is a quote. It was uh, by Maya Angelou, uh, the poet and author. 
And she said, people will forget what you did. People will forget what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And Mm. I love that quote. Love it. I love it. It's a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much for your time. Such a pleasure to connect with you. And we'll say thank you to Geraldine Thomas, who can who put us together. I give her a shout out. So thank you so much, Jacqueline. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.